Church. We are in week two of this series, Joy in the Faith, and I so appreciate that little girl who read our traditional Christmas passage from the gospel, Ava, and what a sweetheart and a blessing to us this weekend to hear her read that passage. I'll reference it uh, near the end of the message as we get into this, but last week, uh, we had week one of this series, Joy in the Faith, and Pastor Rick Countryman uh, shared with us here on the online campus. And the text I want to pull out from last week as we're getting started here was from day four in the Philippians reading plan. And on day four, we see the passage that includes Philippians 1, 21 through 26. And we're going to start with this passage before we get into week two's passage. Paul's writing and he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a really interesting statement that he makes. So in other words, uh, to live is Christ. Life equals Jesus. But he also says to die is gain. And so not only does life equal Jesus, but for Paul, death equal Jesus also. He says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So God's working in his life. And if he's alive, Jesus is at work. And he says, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And then he makes an interesting statement. He says, I am hard pressed between the two. I'm hard pressed between the two. He's, he's seemingly these opposing forces. What are these opposing forces? Well, it's life with Jesus or it's death with Jesus. And he's saying, I'm hard pressed between the two, but they're not opposite forces because life and death is in Jesus. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. And right here, he's letting us know what his heart is. And it's noble, it's a, it's a worthy aim that he has. His heart is set on Jesus Christ. It's what he wants. Yet he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And I think this word necessary is interesting because though he has this desire to be with Jesus, he sees that God has a plan for him now. And because it's God's plan, then it becomes necessary for him to continue serving in the way that God has him serving. And I'm challenged when I see Paul talk about how necessary it is to serve others. I'm challenged to increase the value that I put on the needs that other people have that I would really see what is it that God wants right now for my life. And so he says he's hard-pressed between these two, what he desires and what is necessary. Then he says he's convinced. He's convinced of this. He says, I know and I will remain and continue with you all. He has a personal conviction, and I believe it is a God-given conviction that the Holy Spirit of God is working in Paul's life and Paul has submitted himself to the Holy Spirit of God and thus he is convinced that he needs to do what is necessary, which is to continue to serve because he's submitting to the Holy Spirit of God in his life. 
And he gives two reasons why he's convinced he should continue to serve. He says, I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. He's seeing the need for them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. He says, I'm going to keep serving for your progress and your joy in the faith. And that's where we get the title of this entire series because it was part of the motivation that Paul had is that he would continue to serve these believers who were in Philippi so that they would grow to be like Christ and they would experience joy in their faith in Jesus Christ. And we desire the same for you. We have that same heart for you. We desire that together as the church, Big Valley Grace Community Church, that we would grow and have progress in our relationship with Jesus Christ and we would have joy in our faith. And when I think of him seeing this progress, it's clear that he is making an investment in them. It is a high investment. He is motivated. He's a shepherd to them. He's a pastor to them. He's, he deeply cares about their discipleship. And he also wants them to experience the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus in John 10, 10 says that he came, that we might have life abundantly. In John 15, 11, he, Jesus is saying that he shares these things with us so that his joy might be in us and that our joy might be full. So that sets us up now for week two. And we'll be looking at a passage in chapter 2 of Philippians. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. And the verses I'm about to read, these coincide with week 2 of our reading plan. They coincide with the videos for week 2. Well, you'll hear from five more of our pastors and directors this upcoming week. And so the passage that we turn to this weekend... Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, so he's saying if there is any, but the truth is there is, these things that I'm about to read are true in Jesus Christ. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, and there is. There's comfort from his love. There's encouragement in him. There is participation with the Holy Spirit. There is affection and sympathy in Jesus Christ. These things are true. And Paul's saying, if these things are true, complete my joy. He's speaking like a father about his children, seeing his children do well. He wants to see them do well in Jesus Christ. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind by having the same love, by being in full accord and of one mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So that's not the mind that Christ had. He did not do that. But this is what Christ had. He emptied himself 
And by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God the Father then responds to the action of God the Son, and that's verse 9. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that, what's the result of God the Father exalting God the Son? So that, in verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is giving us a glimpse into what is true about the service that Jesus served in, the way that God elevated him, God the Father elevated God the Son, and the result of God the Son being elevated is every name, every tongue, every knee, it's all going to acknowledge Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of verse 11 here, there's a phrase. It says, to the glory of God the Father. This is the third time that Paul talks about it being for the glory of God. And we're only at the beginning of chapter 2, about the middle of chapter 2 here. In chapter 1, verse 11, he says that the reason that this this righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, it's to the glory and praise of God. In chapter 1, verse 26, he's saying that he's writing that they might have progress and join their faith so that we would have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ. And now he's saying that all this has happened to the glory of God the Father. Paul's focus is that God would be glorified. That's what Paul wants to have happen. He wants God to be glorified. And as he's writing to this church, he's helping them understand how they would live so that God would be glorified in their life. So months ago, um, this passage that I'm reading from, it was really laid on my heart as I looked ahead towards this Christmas season. And specifically verses five through seven. And I want to share with you why. Why are we going through the book of Philippians this Christmas season? Well, in verse five, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with, a God, with God a thing to be grasped, but it says that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. The themes that really stood out to me that drew me to the book of Philippians for our church family for this season is first is that Christ emptied himself. And as he emptied himself, he took on the form of a servant. And the form of the servant required him being born in the likeness of men. Think about this. Jesus, a citizen of heaven, he is transformed for the purpose of grace into a resident of earth. And at Big Valley Grace Community Church, we have a vision to see something. We see something, and what we see is that grace transforms residents of earth into citizens of heaven. And the way that that happened is because a citizen of heaven was transformed by the purposes of grace, 
of grace into a resident of earth so that we, residents of earth, might be transformed by that purpose of grace into citizens of heaven. And that's what really drew me to the book of Philippians as I was thinking ahead to this Christmas season. You know, as a church, we need to marvel in Jesus Christ and who he is. And that as we marvel in who he is, we might be motivated to become like him. And that's the theme for this weekend as we're looking at this passage, is that we would have joy in the likeness. That we would have joy in the likeness. That his joy would be in us and that our joy would be full. So how do we become like Christ? How do we have joy in the likeness of Jesus Christ? Well, the key, I think, in this passage is verse five. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It starts with our thinking. It starts with how we think. And it's a very specific mindset. It's not just any mindset, but have this mind, this mind. It's the mind of Christ And it's not just for you alone, but it's shared in community. Have this mind among yourselves. So it's the very specific mindset of Christ, and it's for the community. This is a a y'all moment. It's a you all moment. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It is yours in Christ Jesus. You have access to it. It is a treasure to be in Christ Jesus. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you have access to the treasures and riches of Christ Jesus. And this mindset, this mindset that Christ has, it's available to you and is available to you right now. So every believer, if you're in Christ Jesus, every believer can have joy in the likeness of Jesus Christ by having three mindsets. You can have joy in the likeness of Jesus Christ by having three mindsets. Again, this is about a mindset. It's about our thinking. It's about where our focus is, where our attention is. You know, whatever is controlling our thoughts is likely controlling our actions. I want to remind you of last week, last weekend, as Pastor Rick taught. He used this line, show me what you're anticipating And I will show you what your life looks like, or I'll show you how much joy you're going to have. What is it that you're focused on? Whatever it is you're anticipating, whatever it is you're focusing on, it's likely going to determine how it is you live and how it is you act. And so mindset number one that we're going to look at is count. Mindset number one is count. In Philippians chapter two, verse six, it says, who, this is Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The the word count here, this is not in the numerical sense, but it is to regard or to consider. So it's saying that he did not regard, he did not consider, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be, to be grasped. So what is this saying? Equality with God. Well, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is God. He is the son of God. And what is it that Jesus has? Well, as God, he has everything. Everything is his. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to Jesus. And this verse is saying that Jesus did not grasp onto himself. And he didn't grasp 
onto his possessions. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, which is why it says that he emptied himself. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But it makes me wonder this great question as I consider my own life, and that is, how do I count equality? We see how Jesus counts equality. He does not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And Jesus was God, and Jesus had everything that God has. And he didn't grasp onto that, but he emptied himself. And it makes me think, well, what about me? How do I count equality? It makes me ask questions like, well, who am I? And what do I have? It makes me think about questions like, am I grasping on to myself? Am I grasping on to who, I'm, who, am, who I am? Am I grasping on to what I have? Another way that we see the mindset of count explained in this passage is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, it's not saying, again, numerically, one to, you know, counting other people, but to regard or to consider. Now, here in this verse, we see two oppositions, two opponents to humility. The first is right here, selfish ambition. This is when we're grasping on to my own selfish plans. This is really rooted in pride and wanting to see myself, you know, as the, as the only one that matters. But the second opponent to humility is conceit. And that's elevating myself above all others. And this is really a comparison game. And a comparison, you know, it only leads to pride or it's only motivated in pride where I'm considering myself against you and I'm comparing myself against you or someone else. And so there's these two opponents to humility. There's selfish ambition and there's conceit. But that's not the way that we're to live and that's what this little three little word but is so important for, B-U-T. Because there's a different way. There's a different way for us to live. But in humility, count others more significant. Regard others, consider others more significant than yourselves. So we're to do nothing from selfish ambition. Now, what's interesting is Paul had to deal a lot with this. Uh, Pastor Rick shared a bit about this last week. Um, in chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. So he, he had to deal with, with opponents to humility. In chapter 1, verse 17, he says, The former proclaim, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So Paul, he had to deal, he's not just making this up, he was dealing with this. He was dealing with this as he was writing this letter, and he's trying to share what it is he's had to learn for himself also. You see, you can do the right thing, the right action, but in the wrong way, the wrong, and have the wrong motive. And so he says, do nothing in selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility. In Romans chapter 12, verse three, Paul writes to the believers in Rome. He says that they need to consider themselves with sober judgment. They shouldn't think higher about themselves than they ought to. They should have sober judgment about their life and that we would consider others. And so it causes me to wonder, how is it that I am counting others? How do, how do I count 
others? What a great question for us to consider. How do I count others? You see, Jesus was focused on the Father's plans. Jesus was focused on the Father's glory. Paul was focused on the Father's plans. He was focused on the Father's glory. What about me? What am I focused on? Whose plans am I focused on? Whose glory am I focused on? What about you? Whose plans are you focused on? Whose glory are you focused on? I, I tell you what, there's, a, there's something really practical right now we can do together as a church family. And that is, you can register for the gift. And what the gift is, is it's a gift box. You can register at bvg.org forward slash Christmas. And this is an equipping gift box for our church family that you might use the tools that are in here, that you might share the gospel with others this Christmas season. In this box, there are physical, tangible tools that you can use, but there's also links to videos that you can use. And I want to encourage you to go to bvg.org forward slash Christmas and sign up for the gift that you might allow our church to help equip you to really be others focused this Christmas season and sharing the gospel, the greatest gift that you could give, that you would share that gift of Jesus Christ with them. And so I encourage you to do that. If you live in the area, we'll, we'll bring it to you. If you don't live in the area, all the resources are available in a, in a digital form online. Mindset number two is serve. Mindset number two is serve. It says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Again, we've talked about this a little bit, but he emptied himself. He, he took on the form. He was born in the likeness. Jesus puts aside his privileges. He takes unto himself servitude. How did he do this? Well, he was born in the likeness. In the likeness of what? What was the lowliest form of service he could take on? It's, it's humorous if you're willing to see yourself in a humble light right now because his humility was to become like us in the sense that he took on human flesh. That was the lowliest form. Jesus speaks in the gospel of Mark that those who would want to be first must be last and they must become servant of all. It makes me wonder, how do I serve? What a great question. How do I serve? Am I willing to have my plans changed? Am I willing to be inconvenienced? Am I willing to be interrupted? I want to take you back to what Ava read in our traditional Advent reading. We see Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It says, Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary had plans. Mary had plans. She was engaged. She was betrothed to Joseph. Mary set aside her plans. Her plans changed. She was inconvenienced and she was interrupted. You know, and it was because she knew who she served. And we should consider that. We see the key in this verse, but who do I serve? What a great question to help us with mindset number two. She said, I'm a servant of the Lord. She knew who she served. And who we serve determines how we served. Who she served was God. And so how she served was going to be how God wanted. And who we serve is Jesus Christ. And how we serve is going to be like Jesus. You know, during this Christmas season, we want to partner you, invite you to partner with us, that we want to partner with you to serve together. One of the real practical ways you can do that is we call it invite one, serve one. And there's opportunities for you to get involved in serving others. You can go to bvg.org forward slash serve. 
We would love to help you take a really practical step, taking a step of service. You know who you serve. You serve Jesus. And so how you serve, you're going to serve like him. And if you're looking for an opportunity and how to do that, we want to help you find that opportunity. Just go to bbg.org forward slash Christmas. Mindset number three is obey. Obey. In Philippians 2, verse 8, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is, this is incredible to see how Jesus obeyed. It's very humbling to become obedient. It says that he became obedient, becoming obedient. What an interesting thing to think. Jesus, the Son of God, becoming obedient to the Father. And what point did he become obedient to? All the way to the point of death. You know, it caused me to think, how far am I willing to obey? How far do I obey? What a great question to ask. How, how far do you obey? You know, it made me think, when do I give up? How, how quickly do I give up? How far do I make it in my obedience? It says that he didn't give up. He obeyed all the way to the point of death and death on a cross. Again, it reminds me of our traditional Advent reading as Ava read it. Mary says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She says, Let it be to me. She was willing to obey and to go the distance for God. She said, I'll obey according to what you have said, according to your word. And it makes me consider, what standard do I obey? What's, what's the standard that I'm willing to obey? Is it my own will? Is it my own word? Mary is setting an incredible example by saying, I'm going to obey all the way according to your word. You know, where do I draw the line? I want you to consider, where do you draw the line? Am I willing to be obedient to the word of the Lord? Are you willing to be obedient to the word of the Lord? Am I willing to be humbled for Jesus? Are you willing to be humbled for Jesus? It is the joy of Jesus Christ to embrace humility and take on the likeness of man. And it is the joy of man to embrace humility and take on the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I will have more joy and you will have more joy when we count like Jesus, when we serve like Jesus, and when we obey like Jesus. Jesus is humble. He's the standard of humility. And God the Father responds to him. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God, so Jesus is humble, and therefore God responds. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This verse says, Every name. A name that is above every name. 
There's coming a moment where every name will be considered, your name will be considered, my name will be considered, every believer's name will be considered, and every unbeliever's name will be considered in the present, in the past, and in the future. And there is one name that will be found above all names, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. And then all those names that were considered, knees belong to those names. And the knees of all of those names are going to bow. They're going to bow to Jesus Christ. And there's tongues that belong to all those names. And every tongue that belongs to all those names that were considered in Jesus is found above all the other names. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I want to ask a question. Who's missing out from this right now? Who's missing out from knowing Jesus as the name above all names right now? Who's missing out from bowing their knee to Jesus right now? Who's missing out from using their tongue to confess Jesus right now? Because there's coming a moment where every name will be considered and every name and every knee and every tongue will acknowledge Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, there's something really practical we can do as a church family and we can begin to pray. We can begin to pray for those who are missing out on this moment. You know, I know why? Because humility sees that people are missing out on worshiping Jesus Christ and they do something about it. Humility chases after that person who's missing out. Jesus chased after us. Humility sacrifices so people don't miss out on the opportunity to worship God. Jesus sacrificed so that we didn't miss out on the opportunity to worship God. Humility follows God's will so that other people will have opportunity to do the same. And Jesus followed the will of the Father so that we might have opportunity to follow his will as well. And I want to encourage you, there's a, there's a real practical thing you can do. You can go to bvg.org forward slash Christmas and you can download really a, a do-it-yourself project. And there are these really cool ornaments. And on one side of the ornament, it says joy in the faith. And on the other side, it says, we are praying for. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge your residents that you'd print one of these off, these ornaments, print one of them off, and you'd write on the back of it who you're praying for, and you'd hang it up in your residence. And you'd take time to pray for the people that need to know Jesus Christ. And you'd pray that God would give you opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them this Christmas season. So I encourage you as an action step, print these ornaments off and begin praying for those who need to know Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you. So grateful for you. And in this moment, Lord, may we respond. Would we respond to you and the things that you're doing? With the names that are attached to our own lives, would we recognize the name that's above all names? With the knees that are attached to our own lives, would we bow before you? And with the tongues that are attached to our own lives, would we confess that Jesus is Lord? And so, Lord, we love you. Help us to respond in humility, to have the mind of humility this Christmas season that we might serve like Jesus served. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Let's worship together.